I think the most inspiring thing about the Backbone Trail is uh, it gives you a sense of possibility. You can always go farther. And so a lot of it is just hidden treasure. You never know when you're going to stumble upon something out there. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrea Howry, and welcome to the Ventura County Stars podcast, Never 30, where we look at timeless stories from the county's past. We call it Never 30 because reporters used to type a 30 at the end of each story. It told the typesetter that the story was finished. There were no more pages. But there are some stories that have no ending. You can type to be continued or part two to come, but Never 30. The Backbone Trail stretches 67 miles through the Santa Monica Mountains in Ventura and Los Angeles counties. About a third of it, starting at the Pacific Ocean near Point Magoo and heading inland to Yerba Buena Road, is in Ventura County. The trail continues east, then veers back toward the ocean, ending up at Will Rogers State Historic Park on the outskirts of the second largest city in the United States. Its history goes back to, well, prehistory. Fossils can be found on the trail, and there are other hidden treasures all along the way that speak of the Chumash Indians, turn-of-the-century ranchers, movie stars, and even a 1960s rock icon. The trail was finished in 2016, the same year the National Park Service turned 100. That was no coincidence, as we'll hear later. But it was the culmination of four decades of planning, negotiating, and a lot of hard physical work. So who came up with this idea anyway? I hate to say it was sort of organic. This is David Szymanski, superintendent of the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area, the largest urban national park in the country. It covers more than 150,000 acres and is home to 500 miles of hiking trails, including the Backbone Trail. He was just a kid when talk of the Backbone Trail first started. So obviously I wasn't here at the time and um, I was only about five years old. It was the 1971 or 72. Uh, the story that I've heard is that um, the folks that ended up forming the Santa Monica Mountains Trail Council got together uh, right in the center of the mountains and uh, developed the idea for a backbone trail. It That idea then made its way into plans that Los Angeles County put together, that state parks looked at. The idea was overwhelming. I do know, I talked to one of our early trail planners who uh, started working here when the National Recreation Area was created. What she told me was, in 1978 and 79, state parks had essentially done all they could as far as land acquisition in the Santa Monica Mountains. And their folks in Sacramento had this, had wanted to continue to pursue this idea of a trail and essentially just handed all the maps to her and said, go to it. And um, so if you look at where the National Park Service has acquired land, um, you know, our first priority is, is blocks of habitat, but our second priority is big blocks of habitat. But our second priority was really to fill in those gaps between the large state park units in the mountains and complete the Backbone Trail. That's what we did. I say we, meaning all of the land agencies, not just the National Park Service, but we just, there's been a really nice handoff between agencies on different projects, and that's kind of the one that we took on is completing that. How many agencies were involved total, do you remember? 
Oh my, the four main agencies in, this, in the Santa Monica Mountains have been involved. California State Parks, which um, they own most of the land underneath the Backbone Trail. National Park Service, we own the second largest piece. Uh, the Santa Monica Mountains Conservancy and the Mountains Recreation and Conservation Authority has also helped. Um, Los Angeles County and Ventura County have also been very helpful. And then there's the public. Uh, it's largely a, a volunteer-built trail. You know, 40 years of, of youth corps, um, local residents, and, uh, and others coming to put it together. So it's uh, a lot of people at hand in its completion. Risa Cruz has been with the National Park Service since 2008 and loves the Backbone Trail. When I'm out on the trails just roving or patrolling the area, just making sure everybody's okay and just becoming that, you know, positive presence, um, folks don't realize the, the historical history there, that the Chumash lived in these areas and some of these trails may be historic or may have been used. Um, and a lot of uh, fossils can be found on some of the trails as well. So there's all these little hidden tidbits along the Backbone Trail. We have some fossils along the Backbone Trail uh, near the Etzmaloy area. Um, they're more of a cone-shaped fossil. I don't know the exact name, but um, those you could see roughly on the ground. They camouflage because it's the same soil sediment. But then you could also go near um, Shearn Road where that Backbone Trail starts and there's actually um, imprints of fossils. However, a lot of them have been plucked out because people have taken them out, but you could still see the imprints of the fossils that were in that trail. You just gotta, instead of looking up and around, you would actually look towards the floor and see the, the imprints on the floor. And there's a lot more than fossils. Everybody's really excited about wildlife. Um, a lot of folks wanna see rattlesnakes or even deer, and we do get those on the trails. Um, the one thing we saw once was a fox, and people didn't realize that we had foxes in our area. In the spring, along with a ton of wildflowers, there are ladybugs. It's a really big sight to see if you go up to Sandstone Peak um, through the Backbone Trail. Uh, around springtime, you could see um, thousands of ladybugs mating, and they just cover the entire log and you literally just see a bright red log in the middle of the trail. So that's become a sight to see for people. However, it's hard to predict when it happens, but when it happens, it's a treat for the visitors because it's a great phenomenon that we can never predict, but it happens yearly every, every year we get to see it. Everything has a story, even the wild cucumber that grows along the trail. That's a favorite one um, historically for uh, indigenous purposes because the Chumash would use uh, the wild cucumber to go fishing in like little lakes or pools. I don't know exactly how they would use the interior of the cucumber, but apparently it would stun the fish that were inside these pools and paralyze them. So it would be easier for them to just scoop them up and take them. And they wouldn't get sick by it. They could still eat the fish. They would just stun them and paralyze them. The stories continue to unfold with time, like the story of Danielson Ranch, which is where the trail turns east after heading inland from Point Magoo. It was developed by a man named Carl Beal before Richard and Molly Danielson took over the property and sold it to the state park system in the 1970s. So Carl Beal came from uh, Texas. He was an oil rigger, uh, made a really good profit out there, 
and um, apparently he came to the California coast because he just wanted to start a, an orange grove and just live his beautiful life out here because the coast is so nice and beautiful compared to Texas dry humid weather during the summer however you could actually after the springs fire in 2013 you could actually see some of the old piping in there in Point Magoo State Park and near the Backbone Trail and you could actually see some parts of the groves you could see actual straight lines of trees that used to be there um, and with that fire it exposed all that. Beale also left his mark on a gate that's still on the property. Carl Beale did have a brand uh, under his name it was a B with a, a triangular hood on top and a triangular hood on bottom and uh, you could actually find his brand in that gate that's on site there. Let's take a short break. Hi, podcast listeners. I'm Michelle Rogers, Consumer Experience Director for the Ventura County Star. If you love listening to great stories like I do, the Ventura Storytellers Project has an all-new season of great live storytelling events planned for 2019. With four shows scheduled in the 2019 calendar, New themes will include stories of love, adventure, family, and much more from people in the community, just like you, and at locations across Ventura County. Tickets and information about these live events are available now at storytellers.com Ventura. Each of our previous shows have sold out, so get your tickets in advance. You can also purchase supporter seating to ensure you have a spot at every one of our shows for the upcoming season. I hope you'll join us. Just visit Storytellers.com slash Ventura. Before the break, we learned about some of the treasures the Backbone Trail reveals to those who journey its 67 miles through the Santa Monica Mountains. Now let's listen to David Samonsky tell how the trail was finally completed in 2016. So we had a couple really small holes left in the Backbone Trail in 2015. We we're encouraged to think of projects at each park unit in the nation uh, as we approach the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service in 2016. And we decided that the premier project here should be completing the Backbone Trail. And so we reached out to those landowners, some of whom we had reached out to before and said, listen, we're going to approach our centennial. We'd love to complete this and also the agents of the uh, the underlying land agencies and the public would love to designate it as a National Recreation Trail. Can you help us out? Uh, and they did, including a 40-acre um, donation from Arnold Schwarzenegger and Betty Weeder. Samonsky may have been a relative newcomer to this project, having arrived in 2012, but he knew what that meant. When I got here, what's funny is when I got here, we, we, we had never lost sight of it, but I th think we always felt stymied and there was never an urgent reason to complete it. You know, it had been left unfinished. And we, we did feel like 2016 was our last gasp, you know, that we had. And when it finally happened? It felt fantastic. It's one of those things that you, they often say that if you set a goal and continue to work towards it, eventually you'll get there, but they don't tell you how uncertain it is. Have you hiked the entire Backbone Trail? We have, yeah. We did it in, uh, the management team as a whole did it. In, um, I arrived in 2012 and we did it in 2013 and 2014. We would do, uh, every month or two, we'd do a section and um, invite park staff out and partners and others to show us different things along the trail and different issues. And that's one of the beauties of the Backbone Trail. 
there's so many different segments so people will always ask me oh if I do this segment first this segment second you know what should I do and I'm like it's pref it's up to you what you like if you want to go up or down it, just remember where you're starting the far eastern end of the trail has a more modern history after all it ends at Will Rogers State Historic Park named after the 1920s and 30s cowboy film star and humorist who built his home on the site he loved to entertain and his guests included Walt Disney Clark Gable and Charles Lindbergh. Shortly before reaching that end of the trail, hikers can look down and see Murphy Ranch, an overgrown ruin in Rustic Canyon. The property was sold in 1948 and became an art colony of sorts before being abandoned. More modern sites along the trail include an abandoned microwave communications tower covered in graffiti and a view of the Triunfo Pass Earth Station, a series of white radar dishes still used by AT&T. Communications towers will pop up again at Castro Crest and on the westernmost stretch of the trail where Naval Base Ventura County has a facility on Laguna Peak. What is your favorite stretch? Oh, that's good. It's funny, I'm going out today to do it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go do it from Ensenal to Mishimoka and back and I'll, um, I'll bicycle it. My favorite section, I have, I have a couple. Um, I don't know if it's allowable to have more than one. <laughs> Okay, so the Ray Miller Trailhead from La Jolla up to what's called the Overlook Fire Road is fantastic. And even the, the, fire, the Overlook Fire Road isn't too exciting by itself as far as a trail, but the views are spectacular. You can look inland, you can look at the Pacific Ocean, it's, it's great. The section that we call Yerba Buena to Yerba Buena, or from the Mishimoqua Trailhead to where it crosses Yerba Buena Road, again, spectacular views of that. Um, all that volcanic rock that's up around um, Boney Mountain and environs. Then I would say um, I have a really long section that I like and it's mostly because it's on a north slope so it tends to be very shady um, and that's from um, Ensenal Trailhead all the way back to Topanga. That section was designed by Ron Webster in the 1980s and it just takes you to through an amazing variety of habitats down into creek bottoms through chaparral and uh, it's just really really neat he's partial to the canyons I think what's so spectacular here is uh, you know most of the landscape looks like chaparral or dry hillsides but you get down into the canyons and it's a completely different world we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the urban legend of the Jim Morrison cave at Corral Canyon Rumor has it that the lead singer of The Doors used to hang out there. L.A. Woman was one of their biggest hits. So was Light My Fire. There's no indication Jim Morrison ever had anything to do with the cave, but if you're um, in your 20s or younger and excited about that kind of thing, you'll go up and visit. Uh, State Parks spent a great deal of money cleaning up all the graffiti, and as a, as a consequence, they've, they've kept that closed to public use just so that it stays a cave rather than a place for um, inappropriate activity. That also was near the point where the Corral Canyon fire was set by people that were near the cave in 2007. It caused a loss of homes. We actually lost our dormitory in Solstice Canyon and one park resident. Uh, we barely got the park resident out in time. And to avoid more tragedies, Raisa offers this advice. 
Uh, definitely take water, um, even in the winter, it may be nice and cool, but the heat here, the heat here sneaks up. And so my biggest um, push is water. Take enough water, make sure you have good hiking shoes. I've had people gone hiking and come back with their soles coming off their bottoms. Um, make sure you have a backpack, sunglasses, sunscreen. Um, let people know where you're going. I think that's probably another big concern of mine. Uh, we have, you know, some we have some visitor centers that are open. You're welcome to like come in and let rangers know. And if you don't have family members nearby or friends, a lot of visitors come from across the United States. So it, as long as they just touch base and let us know where they're going, where they're going to hike, uh, and what time they expect to end, and leave a phone number. It's it, it's easy for the rangers to get a hold of them when we're closing and make sure they're they're safe but even though we're still in an urban area those hiccups can happen and so we want to make sure everybody's safe but as long as you have a lot of water and snacks you should be good and, and make sure you have those essentials with you. And so the Backbone Trail continues to offer up its surprises and its beauty. It will always be an ever 30 as long as there are people who haven't taken advantage of all it holds. Especially this close to an urban area, you'd think that the recreational opportunities are limited. Um, I've never lived in a place, and this is my 23rd year with the National Park Service, where there are more hiking opportunities than there are here. But the Backbone Trail was really our, all of the public land partners and our community partners and the folks that pushed for it for so long. It was, it was, that was kind of the goal, is that We've got enough land here, and we can create one of these long-distance trails that, that will rival at least in length, um, if not um, in sort of rocky grandeur, uh, some of the trails that you'll see in mountain areas and the Sierras and the Cascades. And so a lot of it is just hidden treasure. You never know when you're going to stumble upon something out there. Never 30 is a property of the Ventura County Star, a member of the USA Today Network. I'm your host, Andrea Howry. The show is co-produced by me and Anthony Placencia, who also serves as the show's technical director. The news director of the Ventura County Star is Darren Peshka. Our consumer experience director is Michelle Rogers. For this episode, special thanks to David Samansky and Raisa Cruz of the Santa Monica Mountains National Recreation Area. If you enjoyed this episode, please visit Never 30 in the iTunes store and leave a review. And don't forget to invite friends to listen. I would also like to invite our Ventura County listeners to support this podcast by signing up for a print or digital subscription to the Ventura County Star. Just visit subscribe.vcstar.com to see all our special offers. On the next episode of Never 30... Two Trees means home to so many people. It is a symbol of stamina, longevity. They stand side by side atop that hill as they have my whole life here in Ventura. And I can see them from wherever I am in town. So how did these trees end up being a Ventura icon? Well, those trees have been up on top of that hill since 1898. So there's nobody older than those trees in this city. <laughs>